Welcome to the Cork Church Podcast. We are so glad that you're joining us today. We hope that this message inspires you, builds your faith, and encourages you in the things of the Lord. Enjoy the message. Glory to God. Just me in the house. Glory to God. Amen. He's faithful. Can I just say that from the get-go? He's faithful. He's good. Faithful and true. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. I'm blessed. You know, let's pray together. I'm going to need some prayer tonight. Hope you don't mind praying for me. I'm going to pray for you. We're all going to pray together. Come on, let's lift our hands. Let's go to the King of Kings. Hallelujah, Lord Jesus. We just thank you for another opportunity to open your word, Lord. Your word says that um, your word says that the entrance of your word is light, brings light. And God, I just thank you for that reality. Thank you, Lord, that we're not here tonight to hear the thoughts and opinions of a man. Thank you that we're he- here tonight to hear from you. You're the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Lord, you alone uh, have uh, eternal life, Lord. You alone dwell in inapproachable light, Lord. You are the author of life. Uh, Thank you, Lord Jesus, that the gospel, Lord, is alive and working and active, Lord, here and around the world, God. We're going to be hearing about missions teams and reports, uh, Lord, on Sunday. And I just thank you that the gospel is bearing fruit all over the world, Lord. May it bear fruit here in Cork Church tonight, Lord. We pray, Lord, as we open the Scriptures, that the Word would get inside of us, Lord. I'm going to need some help tonight. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would work through me. Enable me to bring this Word to your people. Get me out of the way. You have something to say to your people. Lord Jesus, I pray that you would. And I just thank you tonight for every soul, every precious, blood-washed, redeemed soul in this house, Lord. They are precious in your sight. They are your children, your people, Lord, called by your name. Give me the grace to speak tenderly to them. Lord, we want to see you, Jesus. May the gospel be clear and plainly adorned tonight, God. Use me one more time. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Folks, tonight I have a word for you. Uh, I'm calling it freedom from the past and confidence for the future. Freedom from the past and confidence from the future. And I've put a little hashtag back to the future um, just because, just for fun. So (laughs) that's the message tonight. And so I want to share with you, I want to read a passage of scripture first from Psalm 139 verse 5, and then we're going to read a longer passage from the book of Exodus. Are you ready? Let's do it. Okay, so um, Psalm 139, verse 5 says this, you have encircled me behind and in front and placed your hand upon me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now keep a finger on that psalm right there, and we're going to go to Exodus chapter 14. I'm not going to give a whole lot of context to where we're going to be reading from in the scriptures today. It's the crossing of the Red Sea. We know it well. Uh, If you don't know, read the book of Exodus or watch the Prince of Egypt. Um, Either way, uh, get get educated on it if you don't already know. Uh, But I'm going to pick it up here 
uh, in verse 10. Um, and and in, in reality, all jokes aside, you know, Paul says in the book of 1 Corinthians that these things were recorded in the scriptures for our benefit, for our encouragement, for our tutelage, that we might learn from the experiences of the children of God in times past so that we can glean encouragement and lessons and hopefully not fall in the way that the children of Israel did in the desert, in their wanderings for 40 years, well, 38 years, an 11-day journey from Egypt to Sinai became a 38-year wandering. But at this point, they're about to cross the Red Sea or the Sea of Reeds. And the Bible says that the Egyptians, their former masters, uh, those who had kept them in bondage and slavery from the time of Joseph, from that time where only 72 people came from Canaan to Egypt. And there in Egypt, there was an incubation period and a people, a family became a nation. And then the nation became subjugated under slavery. Okay, folks, those same uh, slave owners, those same subjugators, Pharaoh and his forces, the greatest military might in the world at that time, were chasing the Israelites. Now, the Bible says that it could have been when, when uh, Israel left Egypt that day, the day of the Exodus, most commentators think it could have been up to six million people. Six million people. You're talking men, women, children, cattle. They were vulnerable. They were in a vulnerable place, folks. They were standing, looking at a sea of water, at the Red Sea, an impassable uh, barrier in front of them, and their past, if you like, chasing after them. And look in verse 10. When Pharaoh drew near, the people of Israel lifted up their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians were marching after them and they feared greatly and the people of Israel cried out to the Lord and the Lord said to Moses, uh, and they said to Moses, is it because there are no graves in Egypt that you, would take, that you have taken us away to die in the wilderness? What have you done to us bringing us out of Egypt? Is this not what we said to you in Egypt? Leave us alone that we might serve the Egyptians. They didn't say that. Amen? That's not what they said. But fear, fear will, will distort and fear will generate things in your life, make you say things, make you rewrite history, revisit history, all that sort of thing. Fear does things to you. They didn't say that. But that's what they, that's what they were telling Moses they said. <laughs> I almost want to stop here and talk about marriages and how you ever have an argument with uh, your wife or your husband and they bring a version of events that definitely, that definitely wasn't what was said. Definitely not. You, you, ever, you ever been there? No? Well, I bless all of you and your perfect marriages. Anyway, I'm going to move on. <laughs> and Moses said to the people, Fear not, stand firm, hallelujah, and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will work for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall never see again. And the Lord will fight for you. You, need, you only have to be silent. And the Lord said to Moses, why do you cry to me? Tell the people of Israel to go forward. Lift up your staff and stretch out your hand over the sea and divide it, that the people of Israel may go through 
the sea on dry ground and I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians so that they will go in after them. And I will get glory over Pharaoh and over all his hosts, his chariots and his horsemen. And the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord when I've gotten glory over Pharaoh, his chariots and his horsemen. And this is what I want you to look at, folks. Because this, this just set me on fire this week. Look at verse 19. Then the angel of the Lord, the angel of God, who was going before the host of Israel, moved and went behind them. Now we know that the angel of the Lord, it's a Christophany, it's a pre-incarnate Christ. Christ before he, was, he came down on earth and lived as a man, amen. So um, a pre-incarnate Christ moved and went behind them and the pillar of cloud moved from before them and stood behind them. Get this, get this image. They're standing facing the Red Sea and the angel of the Lord, that when you read the book of Exodus, you read that God actually, well, later on, actually we won't go there, but that literally, literally Jesus comes around and stands between them and between the Egyptians, okay? Coming between the host of Egypt and the host of Israel and there was the cloud and the darkness, and it lit up the night. Hallelujah. It lit up the night without one coming near the other all night. Then Moses stretched out, stretched out his hand over the sea, and the Lord drove the sea back by a strong east wind all night and made the sea dry land, and the waters were divided, and the people of Israel went into the midst of the sea on dry ground. Hallelujah. I'm going to leave it there right now, folks. But if you've got a keen eye, I think you can see the, the link between Psalm 139 verse 5 and this passage, particularly verses 19 and 20. Folks, we have a God who goes before us and goes behind us. Say amen. I'm going to show you exactly how this frees you, how the gospel frees you. Um, but I want to tell you a story first. I want to bring you down memory lane to when I was in Bible school. Um, one of the things that I was most terrified about in Bible school was going out on the street and doing evangelism, street evangelism, okay? So it terrified us, okay? And so we would all uh, sort of go out on a Thursday afternoon. We would meet in the lobby. We'd get prayed up. And then the bold ones would walk out first, singing songs of Zion, <laughs> walking tough, head up, looking tough, all that kind of thing, okay? And every now and again, I would sort of walk out in front, you know? I'd walk out in front, and as I was walking out in front, it would become more aware to me as I crossed the street and started walking down Oliver Plunkett Street on my way to Brown Thomas that I'm going to encounter some things that I maybe don't quite know now. You know, I start thinking to myself, who am I going to meet out there? What sort of conversations am I going to have? I don't know if I'm really able for all of this. And what would happen is I would start to slacken my pace a little bit. Start to slacken my pace. And so folks would be going out in the front and I'd hope that the pastors leading us, whichever pastor it was, that they wouldn't notice that I wasn't at the front. And I would sort of slide to the back. You see, the back wasn't a great place either. And the thing about the back was this. Once you got to the back and everyone else was in front of you, you started thinking about the church. I'm like, you know, if I just, went back to the church, no one would really know. I mean, if I just went back to the church, I could make up an excuse. I got an important phone call. I had to go use the bathroom. Um, but I don't know, some reason. So there was this sort of temptation to go back the further back you were. 
okay? So the safest place to be was in the middle. And I remember uh, on more than one occasion, I actually would be at the back and I used to divert to McDonald's. And I would run up to this toilet stall and I would sit down and I would pray to the Lord that he would deliver me from what was to come. And I'd be praying these deep spiritual prayers. And then I'd be reading stuff on the toilet stall, you know, that was crazy, this person for that person and ring this number for whatever, you know, all that kind of crazy stuff. But that's, that, that, the reason why I tell you that story is this, right? <laughs> it's because, it's because when you're out in front, there can be a fear of the unknown, right? And when you're at the back, there can be a temptation to go backwards. It's true, it's true. In a group that God is moving forward, there can be a fear of the future and there can be an over-identification with the past. You see, God is moving us forward, folks, as a church. I don't know if you've noticed The Spirit of God is at work in here. We're blessed by His presence. Yet I would bet in this room tonight, there are people who are terrified of what's ahead. And there are people who can't get free of what's behind. I believe there's people here tonight who who are dealing, dealing with their past, dealing with that call to come back to what formerly held you and what formerly bound you up. I believe that that is a real thing in this room tonight and maybe for someone watching online. Terror about the future and the unknown and a pull from the past. Folks, listen to this. Nostalgia for the past and fear for the future are equally out of place for the Christian. It's a good quote. It's true, isn't it? How can I get freedom from the past and confidence facing the future? How can I? Well, folks, we have a God who goes before and behind. Amen? A God who goes before and behind. And again, Psalm 139 verse 5, you have encircled me. Some scriptures say hemmed me in. Others say encompassed me behind and in front, amen, behind and in front, and placed your hand upon me. Psalm 34 verse 7 says, the angel of the Lord, remember, encamps around those who fear him and delivers them. Glory to God tonight. Glory to God. And I want to speak to two groups of people. For some people, you need to understand that he's gone behind you. He's gone behind you, and your past has no claim on you, And you must stand in faith tonight. Amen. He's already gone behind you. Your past has no claim on you. No legitimate claim. Amen. And you must stand in faith. And for some tonight, you need to know that he's gone ahead of you. Praise the Lord. And and I want to say this too, because I believe the Holy Spirit really put this on my heart. Somebody needs to know, and we're going to touch on it later. You already know the way. You already know the way that you need to go. Someone here is afraid, fear in the future. You need to know that you already know the way and you need to move in faith. Praise the Lord. Now let's walk through the verses here and unpack some of what I think the Lord wants to say to us. Verses 10 to 12, all about the Israelites seeing Egypt, seeing their former masters, 
encountering their past, even though they're saved. Folks, it's possible to be saved and still struggle with your past. It's still possible to be born again, to be totally saved and free, and still be dealing with your past. Listen to me. And I want to encourage you with this. Just because you're saved doesn't mean you won't struggle. Amen. There's more to come. But just because you're saved doesn't mean you won't struggle. I want to talk about elephants. I want to talk about the elephant in the room. Or not in the room. I actually want to talk about elephants. (laughs) Training an elephant. When uh, folks um, train elephants, what they do apparently is tie a chain to an elephant's foot. Okay? And the elephant grows not fully able to move or or maneuver. And actually, uh, it causes friction around the ankle of the elephant. And the elephant isn't able uh, to break free or move forward. As the elephant grows, it grows stronger than the strength of the chain that holds it. But because it's conditioned to not move, it stays in place. Even though if it wanted to, it could break free of the thing that used to hold it because it's strong enough. Isn't it interesting? And you know, and experts talk about it this way. This is what they say about it. It's called um, chained elephant syndrome. Because folks, this has an application to you and I tonight. They define it simply that we are often held back with limitations that we unconsciously or consciously impose on ourselves through our minds, which we created in our past or from our past, from previous experiences. It's funny. Chained by a past that doesn't hold you. Chained by a past that has no power over you. You know, the Israelites, literally, their past came calling to them and they couldn't believe for any higher. They couldn't see any more than their past and the claims that their past was making on them. They still identified as slaves. Sons, but they still thought like slaves. Free, but still bound in their thinking, folks. Listen, your past is a chain that cannot hold you, but are you living through the lens of your past? Are you living through the lens of what you have come out of? What God has saved you out of? What you used to be? A former identity. You see, that's what this was really about. The Israelites had come to put an identity on those, uh, sorry, the Egyptians, on the Israelites. Once a slave, always a slave. Once an addict, always an addict. Once a cheater, Always a cheater. Once a lazy, glutton, foul mouth. Always a lazy, glutton, foul mouth. And that's exactly the tension that they got into. Folks, you see, because belonging, it's through belonging we get our identity. That's where we get it from. Our past comes to us saying, I know who you are. You belong to me. See? You're still doing it. You're still thinking it. You're still behaving that way. You're still going back there. You're still struggling with it. If you battle, you must belong. 
That's the thought. That's the lie tonight. That because I'm battling something I'm free from in Christ, somehow I still belong to it. Don't empower your past. Don't empower your past. The Israelites turned and they looked at what they say to Moses. Why don't you just leave us in Egypt? Sometimes it's easier to go back than just believe. And that's exactly where they were at, folks. And they asked me, they turn around and, Moses, what have you done? Folks, there's nothing wrong with your salvation tonight. It's total. It's complete. Jesus has done a full work tonight. You are redeemed, saved to the uttermost, even if your past is calling, making illegitimate claims on your life. Verse 13 and 14. What does Moses say? He says, fear not and stand firm. Hallelujah. That's the word from heaven tonight. That's the word from heaven tonight. You see, because the Israelites were standing with their children, with their loved ones, looking at a past that was coming to claim not just them back, but their children. Some of you tonight, if you go back to your past, it's not just you, it's your kids. It's the truth. So if you're in that place tonight, and it's calling, and it's calling, yet Moses says here, don't be afraid. The battle is the Lord's. Your battle against your past isn't your battle. It's Jesus. Jesus is the one who has done something to free you from a past that wants to reclaim you tonight. Listen to, listen to this. Look, listen, I want to show you a passage of scripture here, but I want to look at what Moses says. He says, fear not and stand firm. And this is important, folks. Don't go back. Don't give in to that call. Don't agree with that lower thinking that comes when you look back to your past. Instead, stand firm and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will work for you today. Folks, this is essentially what we take from this. The gospel has delivered us. Amen. It is delivering us and it will deliver us. Folks, when our history, when our past comes knocking, when that former identity comes knocking, comes calling, the word from heaven today is don't fear, stand in the gospel. I've made you something. I've done something. I have given you something. I've made something out of you by grace, sheer grace. Stand in it tonight. Stand in it. And look at what he says. Look, look, at, look at 1 Corinthians 15.1. This gospel that we have. I want to remind you, brothers, of the gospel Paul says that I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand, and by which you are being saved. If you stand, if you hold fast to that word I preached to you, lest you believe in vain. Folks, the gospel has saved us from the penalty of sin. It's saving us from the power of sin and it will save us from the presence of sin. We have been justified. We are being sanctified and we will be glorified. Hallelujah. The gospel that set you free, broke you free from Egypt, from the world, from the power of sin has the ability to hold you and keep you and keep your past at bay tonight. It's God's fight. Somebody say it with me. This is God's fight. It's God fighting for my, for, for my future and keeping my past at bay. Listen. The gospel doesn't just save you. It transforms how you see yourself. Isn't that wonderful? It doesn't just save you from slavery. 
but it changes how you see yourself. Romans 8.15 says, we've not received the spirit of fear to fall back into slavery, but the spirit of adoption. Hallelujah. Wherein we cry, Abba, Father. We've received another spirit tonight. We've received another spirit. We don't need to bow to a past that we've been freed from. Listen, don't agree. And listen, Paul, Paul gives us, uh, sorry, Moses gives us more. He gives us a posture of faith. He says that we need to, we need to stand firm and not go backwards, not fear. We need to be silent. That's interesting too. Do you know, do you know what that means? It means hold your peace. It means hold your peace. Make no pronouncements. Don't speak negatively over the situation. Don't agree with the call or the claims of your past. Don't agree with them. I'm sure, well, it's just what I am. It's in my family. It's just by my biology. Don't do that. If you're doing that, stop doing that. Don't give, don't give it air. Don't speak it. Don't agree. And finally, he says that you can see, you can discern the victory of the cross. You can see the victory. And I'm going to show you here just what he means. I'm going to show you two things in the next few verses. The first is God's motive. God has a motive tonight. There's a reason why God is going to give you a victory, has given you a victory and will give you a victory over your past. And then I want to show you his method. But let's start with the motive. Look at what it says in verse 17. I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians so that they shall go in after them. And I will get glory over Pharaoh and over all his host, his chariots and his horsemen. And the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord when I've gotten glory over Pharaoh, his chariots and his horsemen. God's motive, his desire is to get glory over what held you, what defined you, what seeks to limit you and bring you back into slavery. That thing that says you will always be this. You will always be mine. God will have glory. The Lord says, I will have glory over these things. So the world, Egypt, the world can know that I save to the uttermost. I save to the uttermost out of anything. I will save out of anything. There is no chain too strong for me to break. There is no situation beyond my arm to save. Total salvation that we can be free, past, present, and future. And this is, uh, this is what I'm excited about. I want to get to verse 19 here. We were talking about Psalm 139 and about the Lord being before and behind. And here's this amazing picture of the gospel of the cross. Jesus sees his bride, sees his chosen people facing death, and he moves and stands before them. I want to tell you folks, not all heroes wear capes. Amen. You know, just the other day, I was uh, cooking uh, in an air fryer because that's, that's where I'm at, right? So I was in an air fryer, I was cooking and I put some breakfast meats in there. Um, uh, yeah, and uh, I, Laura was in the kitchen and Laura's nearly 30 weeks pregnant. Um, and I took the air fryer out and a lot of the fat... Uh, it was in the bottom of the air fryer and, and you know, it's hot. It's 250 degrees and the handle broke, okay? And um, can you guess what I did? Let me tell you. Da, 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 da. So 
I jumped in front of her. And the thing spilled on the ground. And thankfully, none of us really got burned. None of us got burned or anything like that. Right? Um, I'm not a hero, but if you want to clap, you can. <laughs> you know? But, 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 but there, it just came to me as I was preparing today. Jesus saw what mattered most. And he dove in front. That's the gospel, folks. That's the gospel. That's what he did. And one of the most beautiful parts of this passage is it says it lit up the night. His presence lit up the night. His presence lit up the night. Look at this here. Look at this. I want to read you uh, lyrics from a hymn called And Can It Be? You know it well. Thine eye diffused a quickening ray. I woke the dungeon flamed with light. My chains fell off. My heart was free. I rose, went forth and followed thee. I was in that dungeon of my past. I was trapped in lower thinking. I couldn't see who you've made me, Lord. And in that place, you came to me again. The gospel, the gospel, I was reminded and refreshed again. And I arose and went forth. I broke my chains. I'm a fully grown elephant. I broke my chains and I went forth. The dungeon of my past flamed with light. Habakkuk 3, 4 says this. His coming is as brilliant as the sunrise. Glory to God. Rays of light flash from his hands where his awesome power is hidden. Glory to God. Glory to God. Folks, I want to show you what Jesus has done for you through the cross. The cross is God's intervention. The cross is Jesus intervening on our behalf to do something for us that we could never do, to put away our past so that we could be free. We have to understand something. Our past comes with claims that are all to do with our performance. Our past will come to point to our performance, to tie our performance to it. Oh, well, if you're, if you're failing, if you're falling, that must mean that you belong to me. And Jesus comes, and it, it, let me show you this in Colossians 2.14. He cancelled the record of the charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross. Amen. So what is that? That they are the claims that your past has over your life. You're this, you're that, you're not this, you're not that. Every accusation of the enemy, all of it, your performance essentially. Jesus took your performance and nailed it to the cross. When Jesus died, he said a word. That word was tatalestai. It means it is finished. But more, more accurately, it means paid in full. It was a term used in the marketplace at that time. And what Jesus was saying is this, I can nail their performance to my cross because that debt outstanding that your past is using against you to pull you back in is the very thing I paid for on the tree. I paid for it. It's paid in full. Let me show you from John chapter 8. There's a woman caught in adultery. Caught in adultery. I always wonder, where's the man? Where's the man? Some commentators think he might have been a Pharisee. One of the boys. And so they come and they drag this woman, no doubt out of the bed, into the, to the place, the courts where Jesus was teaching. 
And they say, teacher, she's guilty of adultery. According to the law, we've got every right to stone her. And now the text doesn't say it, but I'm going to use some divine conjecture. The Bible says Jesus got up and wrote on the ground. I like to think he got up and stood between those Pharisees who had a claim on her, who wanted her dead, who wanted to bring the sentence of death based on her past. And he stood between them and her and wrote on the ground and said, like ye who is without the sin, cast the first stone. In other words, only I have the power to condemn and I'm not doing any such thing. So the Bible says they dropped their stones from the youngest to the oldest and left. And Jesus said, woman, doth no man condemn you. The woman said, no. And he said, well, neither do I. Go therefore and sin no more. Romans 8.1 says what? There is now therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Because there's a greater law over your life tonight. Greater than the law of sin and death that governed your past in Egypt. That governed your life before Christ. There is a law that says you belong to me. You are mine. You are mine. That's the law of Christ. You belong to me, so therefore you can live after me. You can reflect me instead of your past. You are not bound to your past. You are not bound to your past. When your past comes calling, ignore it. It has nothing new to say to you. Your past has nothing new to say to you points to the same things that are washed by the blood, that are buried in that grave, that are hanging on that cross. When your past points to your performance, point your past to your performance on that cross. All that performance you're talking about, it's on that cross. Oh, I love it. I love Micah 7, 19. It says that our sins have been drowned in the seas of his forgetfulness. It wasn't just the Egyptians that were drowned in the sea. It wasn't. Hallelujah. It wasn't just the Egyptians. It was that old identity. It was, that, it was, those, it was those failures that was drowned in the sea along with the Egypt. The cross delegitimizes, throws out the case against you that your past would make. Hallelujah. Paul says in 1 Corinthians that wrongdoers will not inherit the kingdom of God. Sexually immoral, idolaters, idolaters, adulterers, men who have sex with men, thieves, nor the greedy, nor the drunkards, nor the slanderers or swindlers will inherit the kingdom. They won't cross over. And such were some of you. That was you. That was a past identity. But you have been washed. You have been sanctified and justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. That was you, but you've been washed. That was you, but you've been justified and sanctified. That was you, but Jesus got hold of you. That was you, but Jesus has done something. You are not that anymore. Men and women spend hundreds, thousands, years, doctor after doctor, therapy, all of it, to try and be something other than what they are. It's free at the foot of the cross. Hallelujah.
it's right there at the foot of the cross. Salvation, it's freely given. Excuse me. It's priceless, but it's freely given. I love this story. St. Augustine, the early church father, uh, following his conversion where he passed by one of his former mistresses on the streets. He was a philanderer, prostitutes, the whole lot. Seeing him walk by, she yelled after him, Augustine, it is I. Without turning back, he replied, yes, but it is no longer I. It's no longer I. It's not me anymore. Augustine's past came calling and he was able to turn around and say, well, it's not me anymore. That's not me anymore. Second Corinthians 5, 17 says that if any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away and the new has come. The old has passed away and the new has come. I pray freedom over somebody's life right now. The old is drowned in the sea and the new has come. The old is nailed to the tree and the new has come. Paul says in Galatians 2.20, I've been crucified with Christ. And it's not, no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And that life I live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Because if righteousness could be achieved by the law, by trying to fight in my own strength, my own nature, box it in clever, then Christ died for nothing. He died for nothing. Your past has nothing new to say. It's hanging on the tree. No matter what those people from your past, those feelings from your past, that way of thinking from your past has to say, God has put it away. I want to quickly tell you that if you're afraid of the future tonight, he's gone before you to make a way for you into the promises. He's gone before you so you can move in faith. In verse 15, go back to verse 15. The Lord said to Moses, why do you cry to me? Wait, I, what, well, I mean, you're, you're, imagine being Moses. Six million people behind you. Somewhere the angel of the Lord is somewhere and there's, there's a, a pillar of fire because it's nighttime and there's an impassable Red Sea and you're, 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 it'd be a good time to pray, amen? I'd be praying. I'd be definitely praying. And God says, why are you, praying? Why are you crying to me, Moses? What are you talking to me for? Tell them to move forward. Tell them to move forward. Listen, folks, listen, listen. We cannot be afraid, this is Corrie ten Boom, to trust an unknown future to a known God. Amen? I'm going to show you what I mean by that. God was saying to Moses, I believe this is from the Lord, I think this is really what the Holy Spirit wants for somebody at least, to say this, stop crying to me about the unknown. Stop calling out to me about what you don't know, about what you can't understand about the future that lies ahead of you. I believe that there are people here, maybe watching online, and you're calling out to God, looking for more answers, more understanding, Clarity, maybe as you call it, but really uh, it's just understanding instead of trust that you're after. And we can all be there. 
Lord, will you not just tell me exactly what you want me to do, where you want me to go, what you want me to be, all this kind of thing. And we cry to God for the unknown. We cry and we cry and we cry. Jesus, why can't you just tell me if I should take this job or if I should do this and if I should just do that and I can't see what, what I can't see ahead and all that kind of thing. And God says, stop crying to me about all that stuff. I've given you enough revelation of who I am for you to move forward. Faith in a known God is the way forward. The way forward is faith. It's faith. Isn't it funny? Sometimes it's hard for us to really grasp that because we want some sort of practical three-step thing or whatever. God says, no, the way, the way forward is for you to trust me. Not lean on your own understanding. And I'll make your path straight. I didn't tell you what I'd be making a path through. I just told you it'd be a straight path. I'm going to make a straight path for you. It's my concern if it's through the sea. If I have to make it through the sea, I'll make it through the sea. And folks, what I love as well, and I'm going to read it here from Psalm 77, because I think we need to take this as well. We need to know this too, and, and this is going to give us strange comfort tonight. His way is through the sea. If he's going to make a path for you, it's going to be through the sea, because he's the God of the impossible. Oh, this is good. The scriptures are in front of me. <laughs> the way is in the sea. No, actually, I prefer this translation. Give me a second. <laughs> yeah, your way was through the sea. This is talking about the Red Sea crossing. Your path was through the great waters. Yet your footprints were unseen. You led the people like a flock by the hand of Moses and Aaron. He is the God of the impossible. Amen. His way, now one verse I love, one, way, one translation says, he makes highways through the sea. Hallelujah. He makes highways through the sea. He's the God of the impossible. His way is that you would trust him and he would make a way where there is no way. It will never be about understanding. Trust me, believe me, stand in who I am, a way maker, and I will make your path straight. You don't need to know how I'm going to split the waters. You just need to know that I will because I'm God Almighty. I'm able and I want to do this for you because my promises lie ahead for you and I'm bringing you through. I've said you'll cross over and you won't bring your history, your past with you. I'm bringing you through. Look at Habakkuk 3. I love this because it gives us insight. The Bible says in, in, in Exodus that Moses lifted up his staff and an east wind came and the waters parted. But in Habakkuk, it says this concerning the Red Sea parting. The mountains watched and trembled Onward swept the raging waters. The mighty deep cried out, lifting up its hands in submission. Hallelujah. The waters, the waters lifted up their hands in submission. Amen. Verse 15, you trampled the sea with your horses and the mighty waters piled high. Folks, there is no contest between him and whatever is in your way. He goes before you. Deuteronomy says that, 31 verse 8. It says that he goes before you through the waters. I remember um, 
we had a young person um, in our youth group at one stage, and uh, let's say he'd made a few enemies. wasn't the most popular guy in the world, and he'd found his way to the top of um, uh, uh, McDonald's again. That's two McDonald's references in one sermon. Uh, he'd, made, he'd found his way up there and what had happened was um, a lot of other young people um, who wanted to beat him up had made, made their way up there as well and so it was kind of like a standoff he couldn't leave without sort of committing himself into their hands and so this is also my second um, superhero reference to myself too so you know what I was also a youth pastor so um, I had to go up there I had to go up there and I had to walk through that crowd of young, young men and women who wanted to, to hurt this kid. And I had to lead him out through those kids, through the sea of hostility. And I'm not a tall guy, so I'll never forget, hold, literally holding my breath as they parted one side to the other. And I was able to lead this young fella out of McDonald's and they literally, I mean, all the way down the stairs and out the door, there was a lot of teenagers. And so I had to walk him out. And this sea of hostility parted, if you like, between us. And we were able to lead him out. Folks, he's gone ahead of you. I want to end with this. It's a, an anonymous poem. Some of an anonymous poem. Be still, my heart, for faithful is your Lord. And pure and true and tried his holy word. Through stormy flood that rages as the sea. His promises, your stepping stones, shall be. His promises, your stepping stones, shall be. We serve a God who's gone ahead. Before, to split the waters. Nothing can stand in his way. There's a reason why you can go forward. You're following a God, a known God. A God who's revealed enough of his power and character in your life for you to trust him to make a path no matter what it's through. No matter what it's through. So, folks, that's me for tonight. I'd like to pray for you. Can I pray for you? Can I pray? Because there's some people here who need to remember whose they belong to. There's some people here who do need that freedom from the past. You need to remember, no, I belong to Jesus my past can knock and call out all day long. I know I can, point at, I can point at Calvary. I can point at the work of Jesus. And that's my great, that's my boast. My boast is in the cross where I've been crucified to the world and the world to me. And I'm gonna pray as well tonight because there's people who need to move forward. They need to move forward. You need to move forward. Take courage in the God, a known God and move so let's pray Jesus Lord we just worship you tonight Holy Spirit we thank you for your presence in this place and Lord Jesus I thank you that you are leading us leading us leading us always Lord into deeper places in yourself and Lord even as a body you're leading us into greater greater expressions Lord of your of your cross of the gospel Lord, we believe we're going to see moves and, and salvations and, and wonderful times ahead, Lord. Lord, I just want to pray tonight for the people who are incapacitated by their past, Lord. They don't seem to be able to move forward. Lord, would you just give them a confidence now, Holy Spirit? Would you begin to work in their hearts? 
Would you begin to point them again to your work, the work of the cross? Show them again what you have done. Give them a confidence they are a new creation. They're new in you, Lord. And even though they battle because you have overcome, they belong to you. They still belong to you. Root us and ground us in your love so that we can have increasing victory over our past, Lord, even though we are fully delivered from it now. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, because I believe that there's some people here who are pushing back that addictive, that addiction as a past, Lord. Addiction, Lord. Calling out to them, Lord. Others, Lord, other feelings and, and illnesses or, or ways of life and lifestyles. Lord, I pray that you would come again and shut their mouths with the cross, by the cross, by the power of the cross. And Lord, I also pray tonight for those fearing the future. Have you not gone ahead of us, Lord? Have you not gone ahead of us? Don't you make a way where there is no way? Lord Jesus, give us the courage to move forward and to stop crying because we don't have every answer. We have you, Lord, and your promises are our stepping stones. Thank you, Lord. You're more than enough. We worship you. We give you glory. Hallelujah. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for tuning in with us today. Make sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Cork Church. Also, make sure to like and subscribe to our YouTube channel. If you have any questions, you can email us info at corkchurch.com or just check out our website. It's www.corkchurch.com. Again, thank you for tuning in and we will see you next time.